Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champion, nine-year pro kicking coach repping the South, Coach Brian Jackson. All right, we have Pat McAfee here on the show. We're stoked to have him. Pat, how's it going, man? Life is good. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to chit-chat about Fourth Downs. I've listened to the Fourth Down experience before. I heard Rigoberto Sanchez on here. I've heard a couple conversations. I like what you guys are doing. I'm excited to be a guest here. This is awesome. We are equally excited. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, from a specialist standpoint, you know, you were one of the few that I looked up to and watched all the time when you were playing. And then, obviously, from a podcast standpoint, you and Gary V were probably our two biggest influences just to give us confidence to go forward with this uh, special teams podcast. So, uh, thanks for everything, actually. No problem. That's a real honor for you to say that. I appreciate it. My film, my technique wasn't always beautiful, but I think uh, I think my approach to the game is something that people could enjoy. So, I thank you for doing that. And me and Gary V. Uh, being in the same sentence is truly a beautiful thing. I like that guy a lot. Yeah, I saw him uh, send you a pair of K-Swiss shoes. Have you been rocking them lately? Yeah, I rocked, I rocked the Gary V 007s, the 002s, the all blacks. Uh, I enjoy them a lot. They make me look professional. And the fact that Gary V, a social media superstar, has his own line of shoes is something I have to support. Uh, and I'm a big fan. They're nice shoes. They're not comfortable, but they're nice. Pat, we should create a kicker shoe or a punter shoe one day, or maybe you should. I've, man, I've, I was in conversations with Under Armour, uh, like after my fifth year, mm-hmm. after my first, I think it was my first Pro Bowl. After my first Pro Bowl, I started to get a little bit of, I started to get a little bit of juice on on social media. I finally got the Pro Bowl nod, and I started really moving. And I had a whole conversation about how. You guys only promote soccer cleats, but I feel like you could get a couple kickers to wear some cleats. We could create some cleats. There's a lot of great people across the country, high schoolers, college kids, even adults who kick footballs who would enjoy this. We could make some good videos for it, the whole marketing thing. Mm-hmm. I, had a design, I had a design ready to go. It got run up the chain and got canceled with the quickness. So that yeah. never came to be, but I uh, I definitely am on the same, wave, same wavelength as you for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, hey, Pat, one thing that obviously everyone's been talking about, we're going to kind of go from current where we are now and move backward. Everyone's been talking about the commentating that you've been doing on Twitter with the specialists, pro guys, and and a couple college guys here and there. Um, How did that start? So when I retired, I knew that there was stuff, there was just endless opportunities for entertainment when it came to football. Because I would watch games on our bye weeks or like a Monday night football game when we were playing, and the commentators would have no idea what was going on on special teams' plays. They would have no idea. It's not their fault. Usually they're starting quarterbacks or superstars who literally would never expect it to sit in a special teams meeting room. Or, so they have no clue what's going on. So I understood that there was a lot that could be talked about, a lot that could be explained, and a lot of skills and a lot of talent that is happening on fourth down. Now, granted, 
I did believe that some of the things that I was starting to do should have got a lot more conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking around the league, and I saw what Sam Cook was doing, Johnny Hecker, Moore Smith. And you're talking about just super talented ball strikers. Marquette also, whenever he's on, he has an incredible ball. I knew there was something that I could do, but I knew that I had to make it interesting because everybody has the mindset that special teams is boring. Now, Indianapolis, we kind of flipped that. Indianapolis, I had a good group of people. I sold a lot of number one jerseys. We had some Overton jerseys flipping around. We had good football IQ with special teams in Indianapolis, but I thought we could reach everybody. And I, I just figured that an entertaining way of explaining what we have going on there, whether it's a punt, an onside kick, an extra point failure, something like that, I knew that people would be entertained by it, and I knew people would respect the skill. And I just, I thought it was something that had to be done for the brand, really, for all of us, because there's a lot of work put in. And then on Sundays, whenever Mondays or Thursdays or Saturdays or Fridays, whenever you get called upon, all that work, it's time to show out. And every time people would show out, they would rarely get the credit. So I just wanted to make that happen for everybody, because I think there's a lot of talented people kicking balls these days. Amen. But the videos are for the brand, because I feel like it's a lot bigger than just a special teams unit. I think it's the brand of kicking and punting needs a lot more respect on it. And that's kind of what I was basically trying to do all exactly, fall. Exactly, man. Well, that, that brand, I mean, you got people talking about special teams again. And again, like we said, that was that was kind of the icing on the cake to get the, the ball rolling for us doing this. So, question for you. We get a lot of high school kickers, punters, and snappers listening. And we imagine we'll get some listening uh, with this interview. What kind of... Uh, what kind of feedback do you have for them for like recruiting in this day and age? You know, we're all about the same age right now, the three of us. So what kind of feedback do you give them based on what you're seeing out there, you know, on TV with your commentating and just kids these days with social media? I think the biggest thing is like trick shots are cool, but consistency is king, right? So like the difference between good and the good the difference between good and great is consistency. And I learned that like year three I could hit a monster ball because I didn't really know how to punt when I got drafted to punt in the NFL. I was a rollout punter. I didn't fully understand it. Bill Pullian basically drafted me and told me, like, hey, we think you'll figure it out, basically is what he said. We think you're athletic enough to figure it out. And ever since high school when I was just a kicker and I played soccer, my dad and I just spent hours and hours at the high school football field. Because it was just something my dad and I enjoyed doing. We'd have two, three balls. I'd try to kick them. And it's just consistency is king. And I do believe that social media can kind of crush that because all you need is one good take in a six-hour shoot. And it all of a sudden goes viral. You're the next big thing. Here we go. But I do believe that people should be putting in the work and just become a consistent swing. No matter if your swing is something that everybody does, if it's a different swing, Find your swing, hone it in so you can be consistent, and then whenever you have that consistency, now you have the confidence whenever it's game time, and you can fall back on that technique, you fall back on your practice, and go enjoy the hell out of yourself on the field. And that's whenever you perform the best, when confidence is high, when the work ethic has been put in, the technique feels good, your swing feels ready, and then you just go enjoy the hell out of the fruits of your labor on on game day. And I think that's the biggest thing I can tell you. Don't get caught up in the trick shot madness that can cause you a little sudden viralness just for the moment. Try to become a consistent monster. I think that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, no doubt. Totally, totally agreed. 
Uh, hey, Pat, going back on For the Brand, commentating on, on Twitter and, and various platforms. So you also talk about the negative plays for the brand. Um, but just, just personally, because you know how all of us feel like, you know, when the good things happen, the bad things. Is it tough talking about the negative plays? Well, I think there's too much negativity in the world to begin with. So, I, like, I think the reason why Chris Collinsworth was hated when he first started announcing is because there'd be ten good things happen on a play and he would point out the one negative thing, right? right. And normally kickers, punters, holders, anybody like that, the only time you get any long snappers, the only time you ever get any attention is for something negative. So I was trying to steer clear from any negative stuff. But every once in a while, a special teams play would go viral because of something negative. Yeah. And everybody would be like, what's your comment on this? What's your comment on this? So I would have to do it. But it's real, though. It's like whenever I got into the NFL, I had never really hit with any professional punters other than Thomas Morstead. And, like, Tim Mastay was with me at a camp out there. So I didn't know what pro punters looked like. So I would hit a shank. And I just thought, oh, my life is over. Like, this is not what I'm supposed to look like. This is a nightmare situation. Stuff like that. I think the biggest part, aside from being consistent as hell and being strong and all of the obvious things, is the ability not to continue to suck, right? I mean, I, everybody says you have to have, like, you can't dwell on the negativity. I disagree completely. I was a guy that would get so angry when I would do bad. There would be... So many F-bombs flying, and even in practice if I hit a bad ball, because I wanted to remember that feeling of anger and never feel it again. It's like, I don't even want to feel this ever again, so I'm going to be upset about it, and then obviously I'm going to move on. So just like with the For the Brand videos where I sprinkle in a little negativity, negative showcase every once in a while when somebody gets a terrible ball, it's one of those things with kicking where the negative stuff is going to happen. And you're just going to have to figure out your particular way of dealing with it, whether it's having a short memory like corners are supposed to have, mm -hmm. or you're going to get so mad like I did. I would, there was, it sounded like I had um, Tourette's almost. Like it, it would be a shank in the middle of training camp, and all you would hear is F dash 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 just echoing across the entire <laughs> campus. It was just one of those things where I didn't enjoy it. I hated the misses. I hated the shanks. But I would get so angry about it, I would never want to feel that feeling again. And that, that worked for me. Now, I'm not saying it worked work for everybody. It's very stressful to do things like that. But for me, that was a good method for me because I enjoyed being happy. So it's like, listen, let's just do good here so we don't have to be in a miserable mood so we can help the team out here and everything can just be positive. Because whenever you get a bad ball, you're miserable, your coach is miserable, your team's miserable. Let's just get past that as soon as possible. Let's actually stick with the NFL for a little bit. Um, we know a lot of listeners, a lot of kids, they just want to know more about you. So we got some fun questions, but just before we get to those, uh, obviously you punted in the in the league for a number of years. You know, you became an all-pro kicker a few times. Just talk about just kind of overall, what was the NFL experience like for you? It was really cool, you know. I got a chance to experience a, a dream. I got a chance to perfect a craft which is something that is just so cool to accomplish. I got a chance to go to work with some greats, get the chance to watch elite people go to work. I got a chance to be a part of a lot of winning teams. It was really, really cool. I mean, the business side of it I was not a fan of. I did not enjoy watching my friends get cut for reasons that they couldn't control. I did not enjoy watching people come and go. I did not enjoy watching guys who were incredible 
like special teamers get cut just because of numbers, situations. The business of the NFL wasn't exactly awesome, but being a part of an elite operation, which is what the NFL is, if you get a chance to make it there, it's an elite operation, is really, really cool. And getting a chance to kind of take chances with ball kicking that not a lot of people can do because you're at you're at a top level where you can figure it out, getting a chance to work on a craft that is so, so minuscule, the difference between great and bad was a lot of fun. Holding for Vinatieri is cool. It was a very, very awesome experience. Very awesome experience. And I was lucky to get up there and do that. I got a chance to kick off a Super Bowl. I mean, that's awesome. That's just such a cool event. If I could win, the, if I could have won the Super Bowl with the Colts that year, that would have been a lot better. Drew Brees and his dumb baby beat us. But it's one of those things where it's just, I'm very lucky that I got a chance to play in the NFL. And I, uh, I will forever cherish that I got a chance to bomb balls. Uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, Pat, you were one of the guys that I would tell kickers, just kind of training them here and there, I'd be like, this is going to be the first guy that's going to be the first triple threat kicker. Like, I'm telling you, just watch in a few years, he's going to, they're going to let him kick field goals, punt, and do kickoffs when Vinatieri retires. Like, was that ever a thought in your mind? Like, hey, maybe one day oh, yeah. I'll, I'll do it all three? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I kicked, every, I still kick field goals once a week. So mm-hmm. I would punt on Wednesday, Thursdays, and then I would have Friday, Saturday off, Sunday game. So I'd always have a two-day break. Vinatieri would kick Wednesday, Friday. So on Thursdays, we would do field goal every day. On Thursdays, I would kick field goals. The year that Vinatieri missed one kick, he was almost perfect. I don't think I missed – I don't think he missed more than one in practice all year. And we are going back to 60 on a daily basis. And I don't think I missed more than two that year. Like, it was a very awesome – thing we had going where I was nowhere near a good enough kicker coming out of college to kick in the NFL strictly because of the consistency thing but after watching Adam Benetieri kick every single ball every day and hold for him and watch what he does and watch his plan put his follow through watch how he draws a ball and pushes a ball and what makes that thing I got a chance to learn from literally the greatest so my field goal kicking skills got better and better and better while I was in the NFL and it was a really cool thing and then it just we got to the point where Vinatieri's just never going to retire. And I was just like, you know what? I mean, this is a lot of extra reps on these hips and knees here on Thursdays. And if I was going to continue in the offseason training for field goal kicking, which I did for like my first five years in the offseason, every time I hit, I would hit punts, kickoffs, and field goals just to stay ready if I have to. And then as I got later into my career, like my last two years, last three years, I would only hit on Thursdays. I wouldn't really worry about it much in the offseason. And that's strictly because Adam Vinatieri was still hitting 60-plus yarders whenever he's 50 years old all this. It's an incredible thing. It's like this guy is going to go longer than me. And that was kind of the back-down plan. But I'm not sure if somebody will be able to pull it off, to be honest with you. It's very... I think there's a lot of guys who have enough skill to do it, but I don't know how long they'll be able to last. It's a lot of wear and tear because the warm-up kicks on a sideline during the games where you're kicking into the nets, then you're talking about during the weekly schedule. The season is 20 weeks at least. That's not counting if you go to the playoffs and are part of a good team. I think it would have been very difficult for me to do all three. But I definitely was on the same page as you, and I hope someday that some guy can pull it off. But I'm just not sure 
physically if it's possible for the long haul. Maybe a year or two, but I don't know if guys are going to be able to do it for a long haul. I hope. I hope it happens nowadays with the kids that have monster legs, but we'll see how it goes. Nice. All right, Pat. So one thing that we enjoyed or I enjoyed watching is, is the golf swing after your big punts. How did you come up with that idea, and did you ever get any, like, flack from the Colts for doing it? So I started celebrating punts, like, as soon as I started knowing what I was doing. Like, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing my first couple of years in the league. And then once I started figuring it out, I mean, I would be at the Colts complex, like, 12.30 a.m. to 1 in the morning on some nights trying to learn how the hell to be a very consistent punter. I was in there. I was, I was literally trying to learn how to punt consistently while being in the NFL. And it was a lot of work was put into it. A lot of my teammates watched me do that. I was friends with a lot of my teammates. So then whenever I started controlling my shots, shape and punt, it was a real moment of happiness for me. So I started celebrating them. And the, it, the cameras caught the golf swing. I think it was like the fifth game I was doing, celebration, sixth game I was doing it. And it was just one of those things where I, the backspin happened on purpose. It was like, yeah, that was on purpose. A little chip onto the green. I put a little English on here. It was one of those things where it was just natural emotion from all your hard work paying off and, and really happening. Now, granted, Marquette went on to start dancing and so national attention and all that stuff. Terrell Pryor said I was taking his thing. But I believe film and even Marquette would tell you, I'm a very emotional person. So whenever I start doing things, I've been, I was celebrating for a long time. And the golf swing just happened to get on TV because it was one of those moments where I was just so happy that the backspin worked. And we were in a playoff hunt at the point. It was a big big play for the team, big moment, and I was excited to do it. My golf game is trash, though. The swing looks good, but the game is trash. <laughs> hey, but we saw your jumper on Instagram recently. You got a pretty good jumper. Wet. I, uh, it is a wet jumper right now. It is. It's a lot of fun. When I was in the NFL, I would travel a lot, I would drink a lot, but I wouldn't do much because I was always scared I was going to hurt myself. I was like, there is no reason to hurt yourself right now. You have to be able to punt. You have to be punt at a very high level, all of that stuff. So it was just during my NFL career, I didn't do much. I didn't do much. I always loved basketball in high school. I was scared to play whenever I got in the NFL because if I roll an ankle, I look like an idiot. I look like a grammatica brother if I could hurt playing <laughs> basketball at an L.A. fitness. So I always was just super, like, conservative on what I did physical-wise. But now I'm just – I'm lifting. The mind's free. I got a wet jumper. I'm dunking again. I mean, things are – I'm in a good spot. I might be in a professional wrestling ring soon. So, I mean, there's so much happening. I'm just enjoying the hell out of it. Upper Hand is a proud sponsor of the 4th Down Experience. Start dominating your training program with a suite of tools that help you coach better and enhance performance for athletes. Visit GetUpperHand.com today and take your training up and to the right. Um, and I'm, 30, I'm about to be 33, so when I had my cup of coffee with the Bears, we were kicking off from the 30, and then uh, you, you've been there to see that it gets the extra point gets moved back to 33 yards. Uh, and now they're they're again in discussion. I think you tweeted about it as well. Uh, what's your thoughts on eliminating the kicking position and what's going to happen? Yeah, I, I don't – the amount of votes it's going to have to take to really eliminate a kickoff, like when it – the conversation's cool because it's the safety thing. Now, granted, they're still playing games on Thursday nights with limited recovery. So the health 
conversation is one that they have to put in the forefront of mind so it looks as if they're trying to take care of players. I have an answer for the kickoff thing uh, because we did we had three surprise onside kicks one year, and we recovered them all. One of them I recovered myself. And we started facing nine men or eight men up, right? Mm-hmm. It was like a hand steam every time we went out for a kickoff. Literally every single kickoff was a hand steam. So we got a chance to see what the kickoff should be. It was more like a punt play where guys had to run with their blocks instead of set up the wedges. If you get rid of the big guys, the linebackers, the O-linemen, the D-linemen, I mean, there's a way to eliminate the big things while keeping it fast and keeping the most explosive players on a football team on the field. The returners, the punt returners, are some of the most explosive players in the NFL. And you have to take them out for the kickoff return because there's big collisions that are possible. But if we make this adjustment, which I'm going to lay out, I am going to put a whole video together for people to see it, I think we'll be able to make the game faster. I think we'll be able to make the play more exciting. And I think we'll make it safer all in the same way. And I do believe it all revolves around the hands team look that we saw for the last two, three years of my career, basically, because everybody was scared we're going to hit an onside kick at any given moment. Nice, nice. But, but I did kick off from the 30 by rookie year. Okay. So I, I remember those days. I remember those days back there. I think they should move the ball back to the 30, by the way, uh, in my diagram that I am going to lay out. Uh, I think the ball should get moved back to the 30. It'll be more like punt coverage than a kickoff, and I think it'll be very fast. I think it'll be very explosive and exciting, and it doesn't take away the possibility of an onside kick, which is an interception. It's a fumble recovery. It's just as big as any turnover in football. Nice. All right, Pat, we got some fun questions for you about your NFL experience, all right? Yep. Name your name your top five favorite NFL stadiums to, or, yeah, NFL stadiums to play in. Uh, I always enjoyed Houston a lot. They're fan- we played down there normally like on Thursday nights. It was primetime games normally, and it was always a big game for our division. I enjoyed playing in Houston. I liked Baltimore a lot whenever they were really going, whenever they were. I was there for Ray Lewis's last home game. Nice. That was a pretty cool, that was a very cool experience. I like playing in Pittsburgh. That was at home, although we don't have a, I don't have a lot of great memories there. Antonio Brown shook the hell out of me there. Um, I think Indianapolis Colts place. Now, our place, Lucas Oil Stadium, isn't bad. It's not great. Everybody thinks it's a dome because it can be a dome, but half the season we keep it open and it's a wind tunnel. So it's like a misery for wind, actually, believe it or not, whenever it's open. But when that place is closed and the fans are rocking when it's a big game, Lucas Oil Stadium is a beautiful place to play at. And then Denver, obviously. Everybody loves Denver. I mean, you, you, you feel like you're just a superhuman when you're kicking the ball there. In warm-ups, you're, I was hitting from like 77, 78 on field goals without warming up. I mean, it was just like a joke almost. It was Denver, whether it's... I think it does definitely help you. And mentally, though, it gives you that boost where you're like, yep, I'm going to hit big balls today. It's a lot of fun to play mile high as well. And they have state laws there that are pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Pat, this is a sidebar question from the NFL questions. Um, I'm a Ball State grad. That was my only scholarship offer. That's where I played at. Chirp, chirp, buddy. Chirp, chirp. So we called it Funcy. I'm sure you've heard of Funcy, Indiana. Anything funny happened at at Funcy Land? 
Yeah, yeah. So in my intro of my shows, Todd McComas, who's a uh, host of Barstow Heartland Radio uh, podcast Mondays and Wednesday and a co-host of my serious show. He does this intro for me every stand-up show, and he talks about my football accolades. And then he says, which is true, my proudest moment probably in my life is it was like my eighth stand-up show I've ever done. I was only we. All, I've only done shows in theaters I, at this point. So I have a couple thousand people. I think it was thirty three hundred people at that place in Muncie, Indiana, Ball State. Yeah. And a lady got escorted out because she shit her pants. And that is, I don't know how many stand up comedians have made people shit their pants before during a show, but I do know in Muncie, Indiana, I had one lady have to get kicked out because she smelled and she shit her pants. And that's a very, that's a, that's a very, I wish I could take that moment and put it up on the fridge because that's a pretty cool thing. And to be honest, the, the tour that I was on during that was the I-69 tour uh, where I hit four places in Indiana back-to-back-to-back nights. And we did four theaters, Evansville, I uh, forget, Muncie, Indiana, and there was another city in Indiana that we did, I think Fort Wayne. And that tour, when I got done with it, was one of the things that, like, it was so much fulfillment just doing stand-up and watching these people laugh their asses off and out, literally, in Muncie. It was just, it was a feeling that I could never experience from kicking a ball because you're just, you're literally giving somebody a mental vacation. And it was so much fun. And to be honest, that Muncie, Indiana lady was uh, a big factor in me turning my focus from bombing balls, which I love doing, to hopefully making people laugh more so i love muncie indiana i love ball state yeah man um glad we can be proud of that at old, old ball state but um uh here this is a this is a question from a kicker from minnesota cole mills and i thought it was a really good question what's the funniest story you can say say about andrew luck man i don't andrew luck and i andrew luck and i were very polar opposite you listen he's a great guy great guy very incredible athlete, very nice to people, but he's got a book. Like I never read a book. Like he, he and I had nothing in common. Absolutely not. We tried to talk a few times. Like we, we were at the pro bowl together. We attempted to conversate with each other and it just wasn't a good fit. Then I tweeted the picture of him almost naked in the background. It's just, we didn't have the greatest relationship off the field, but we definitely got along, but I never got a chance to really hang out with him, have a good time with him and stuff like that, which I'm not even sure if he does. I have no idea, but I, I respect what he does on a football field and his brain and all that stuff, but we're just polar opposite humans. Great answer. Uh, all right, Pat, so then to flip off that, did you have any teammates that you were friends with off the field, and then are there some that you still hang out with now that you're not playing anymore? Yeah, so like Peyton, Peyton and I got along well because I could chug beer well, so he enjoyed that. I got a chance to travel with him and have a good time. Joseph Adai and I were really tight. Clint Session and I were tight. Adam Vinatieri and I were obviously tight. I got a, Matt Overton. We're good friends. Cole Anderson. I got a lot of guys. AQ Shipley. I mean, that's what football does, though. That's what a locker room does. He like creates bonds. And in the NFL, you can be eating lunch with a guy, and then he's cut the next day, and you don't see him for ten years. But you always have that bond where you're kind of fighting for the same thing I, there's a lot of people that i have for even equipment managers athletic trainers in the colts complex that i'm really still good friends with it's it's one of those things that's what football does though. that's what like being a team is it's like you become friends with each other a lot of people d- 
discredit it, but when a team likes each other, camaraderie brings out the best in a team, and that is something that you can't get a time for, you can't rate it, you can't judge it. If a team likes each other, it's a lot bigger deal. And I've been a lot, a part of a lot of teams that got along really well, and I cherish a lot of those friendships. Yeah, awesome. Uh, this is from Kobe Neenan, the Tulane kicker punter. He um, asked, Pat, what is the best for the brand moment so far? Johnny Hecker hitting that banana ball week one. Yeah. I mean, that led to a Wall Street Journal article, that video, which is wild to think about. Awesome. Um, Adam Vinatieri hitting that extra point in Buffalo. Yes. In the snow globe was beautiful. Um, It's just every week you never know what's going to pop off. Like, that's the best thing about special teams is, A, every single kickoff – can be a touchdown. All you need is one person to get out of a lane. Every single punt can go to the house. All you need is one wall to get set. It's just so much electricity and excitement. You never know what's going to happen. And Justin Tucker, the way he's hitting balls, every time he hits it, it's like a home run derby. (laughs) There's so much good stuff happening. And Thomas Morstead launching a ball. There's just, I really enjoy the thought of a ball just getting absolutely launched. And because it's not just that ball getting launched. It's all the work that went into that. And then when it's time to step up and make a play for your team and give the crowd a show and you do it, like, I love that. I absolutely love that. We're going to take a moment to thank Wizard Sports Equipment, your special team's headquarters, who provide quality products, quality service, and affordable prices. Get 5% off your next purchase just for listening today. Enter discount code 4thDown, that's 4THDOWN, to receive 5% off your purchase. Visit wizardsports.com. Have you made any tackles in a game, and how many? I, no, I led our team in special teams tackles one year. That was not a good year. Um, <laughs> it was the year we were 2-14, and 14 and we got luck. I enjoyed the thought of making tackles, though, because it's hard to go into the film room the next day if you get beat. But if you make a play, you're automatically respected by your teammates. And... Aside from that, if somebody's getting a big return on you, they're ruining all your numbers anyways. So you should be angry. You should want to make a play. I get very embarrassed whenever I watch kickers and punters make a fool of themselves and they look like little children out there. I think you should at least make an effort. I think that's bad for the brand whenever you look like a child. But, yes, I've definitely had a couple taken back on me. Antonio Brown shook the hell out of me in the middle of Heinz Field in the fourth quarter. Uh, Julian Edelman got one on me, and then he almost took another one back the next play, and I suplexed him. Uh, There's... I've had a couple of Denver Broncos guys took one back. Tavon Austin took one back. Those types of things just happen when you're hitting balls because it's it's a whole team operation. And unless you're putting the ball out of bounds every time or getting a fair catch every time, which we started doing towards the end of my career, it's it's possible. It's what you got to do, especially if you're trying to flip a field every once in a while. I think I think punters and kickers should take into the mindset though the game too. Like I think players. Punters, if they know the state of the game, they should be in it. Like, football IQ should be a good thing. If your team's behind and you need to flip a field, sometimes you got to risk it and just hit the hell out of a ball and see what happens, see if a big play can happen. But on the flip side of that, big risk, big reward on the other side for the other team. So I've been shook. I've been beat. But I've also done some, some suplexes to some people that uh, my teammates have enjoyed in the film room. Pat, any is there a lot of shit talking between punters and return men? 
No, I try to befriend them, man. Every single, every single warm up, because we're all out on the field at the same time. Every single warm up, I would try to talk to them and just befriend them, and I would always tell them like, "Hey, listen, if it gets in the open field, just don't run me over. Like, whatever you do, just don't Antonio Brown, Spencer Landing, my face." just juke the hell out of me, whatever, and they always laugh. They enjoy it. It's always a, a good time. And then whenever I would tackle them, eventually later, like Joshua Cribs and I had this conversation before a game. I was like, hey, man, you're going to go down as, like, the greatest of all time. That's awesome. He's like, thank you. He's, like, so nice. And I'm like, listen, though, if we get in the open field together, you just juke me, okay? You don't run me over. And he was like, you got it. You got it. We gave a high five, and I hit a kickoff, and he brought it out. And he got the edge, obviously, and I tackled him on the sideline. Good tackle. And he stands up. He pats me on the helmet. I'm like, what up, Cribs? And he was like, I should have ran your ass over. That's exactly what he said. We both laughed, and then he jogged away. It's like a really cool moment. I have a picture of it, like, at my house. It's uh, It was a really fun thing. I try to keep – you always try to keep the return on your side. There's no reason to piss them off. Yeah. <laughs> I always let them know, too. Always let them know, like, hey, fair catch is a win-win for both of us now, right? Like, you're not turning the ball over. I'm not giving up a touchdown. This is a win-win for both of us. It's a safe play. We just go on to next week. It'll be like just sparring with each other. You just fair catch it, see how I go. It's a little windy. I always try to have that banter with returners before every game. Hey, Pat, I've seen a couple of videos of you um, with some nice uh, swaz on the on the soccer shot. Um you know, was that was that a dream of yours in the past? Was trying to uh, maybe go to the MLS route? No, it, it, so Europe was potential. I mean, that's I played overseas whenever I did a lot with ODP. Got a chance to represent, go play overseas a couple of times. I played in Germany. I played in Switzerland, Sweden, Liechtenstein, France. I played uh, a lot. I was a much better soccer player than than kicker. Whenever I was in high school, I had more colleges and universities looking at me for soccer than I did for football. But to be a hundred percent honest, it was a one hundred percent business decision to start kicking footballs mm -hmm. because the first first time I kicked the football I kicked the 60 yard field goal and it was just like well I think if I get good at this I could potentially get rich in America as opposed to getting rich in Europe which is what soccer is so when you went to West Virginia and you know you went through the whole recruiting process with Kent State we heard we've heard it on your podcast which was an outstanding podcast by the way um, when you got to West Virginia and you're playing college ball going back to the stadiums were there any um, college stadiums that you're like wow I'm playing here this is pretty cool it was such a blur. College was such a blur. I had no idea what I was doing. I only played two years of high school football, obviously, junior, senior. Not different than most people, but I never I never went to a football practice. It would just be me and my dad on the high school field. I had soccer games. I still thought I was going to play soccer. So college was such a blur for me. It was my first time really in the football world. It was my first time playing in front of that many people. It was the first time with, like, super, super – amounts of pressure on every single game because we were a really good team mm -hmm. and it was just playing at wvu was awesome uh i think playing down it, it all depended on the situation like we played down at louisville on a thursday night and we were ranked like three or two and they were ranked like four or something like those two top five picks like that was an electric night muhammad ali was carted around the field before the game i think papa john was up there before all of his facial surgeries i mean it was a it was a big moment and, and i enjoyed playing in the in the georgia dome against georgia in the sugar bowl my freshman year it's just there's 
it all depends on the situation more so than the place. And it's all about who you're with, too. And I was lucky to be on a great team at West Virginia and a great team in Indianapolis. Awesome. We, we have about two more questions each. A lot of guys want to know about the uh, barstool transition. What, uh, what led you to all of a sudden decide to give it up? And uh, you know, what's your experience been like so far being up with barstool? I was going to retire two years before I did. I it was whenever I started doing comedy and when I started doing morning shows and all my charity stuff I did I started getting real fulfillment out of my off the field stuff I started like feeling real like how like genuine happiness for what was happening whenever I would tell a joke and somebody would be like thank you for that that was awesome and you'd watch people just their days get better after you tell a story to them I started feeling real fulfillment I had a chance to make a lot of money in the NFL I got a chance to take care of my family take care of my friends hit the reset button find financially for a lot of people and I felt like I did my job and what I was supposed to do and it was time for me to move on I was seeing a lot of success on the internet I was seeing success in Indiana and comedy and I just figured you know what I'm gonna go for it and I talked to Chuck Pagano a couple times he talked to me into staying Ryan Grigson and I hated each other it was not he did not think I was funny and I just got to the point where I wasn't happy going to work anymore Mm -hmm. and it was just it was I hung on for a couple more years uh, and then whenever it was time to go, I was going to create my own app, my own. I was going to do podcasts. I was just going to charge like 99 cents a month for my followers. Like, hey, let's, I'm going to put out podcasts, video content. Let's keep it moving. Barstool Sports caught wind of that. They got bought out by the Churning Group. Dave Portnoy called me and said, hey, the reason why we got bought out is so we could acquire talent. Uh, we want you to know when you retire, like give us a thought at least. And I was like, I think that's coming pretty soon. We negotiated a deal. They wanted me to move to New York. I enjoy my setup here in Indianapolis. We worked out Barstool Heartland, my own affiliate, basically, my own company that I run. Mm-hmm. And then we're off and running. It's just been a lot of fun. I've been a lot more busy now than I ever was in the NFL. But I'm waking up and going to work for myself and for my friends. So it's just it's a blast. I'm yeah. having a lot of fun with it, but very, very busy. It's very awesome to watch and see and I think motivate the youth to, to do what they're passionate about. Um, uh, one thing that you know we always try to tell kids at camps and training is, you know, there's there's real life after football. So, you know, a lot of these guys think that it just kind of stops at NFL or the arena leagues or the CFL. So, like, for you, uh, you're doing something that you love doing. What do you think uh, football and, and college and, and the pros and all that, what do you think that's done for you uh, now in what, quote-unquote, you know, the real world, you know, after football? I think everything kind of leads to another, right? Like soccer led me to kicking. Kicking led me to West Virginia, which led me to the NFL, which led me to Indianapolis, which led me to the Bob and Tom show. But I think like everything just kind of connects the dots. Like the work ethic that you learn from sports or the work ethic that you learn from dialing in on a football field with just a ball, just your holder, maybe your dad's there in learning how to do a skill and like how to perfect a skill and how to wake up sore and still want to go back out there and work again. And with the strength coaches that I had at college, Mike Barwis was my strength coach in college. He was a lunatic, but he taught me like just to work and work and your body can take more than you think. I I think that is the biggest thing that I've got out of everything is that if you just work and you have a focused goal, you can achieve it if you have a focused plan. So you find a goal, figure out the plan, and then execute the plan. And that's basically what football is. 
that's what I've taken into my next stage here is I have a goal. I put a plan together. Now it's time for me to execute the plan. And it's just been fun to kind of watch how they all help out each other. And I think it will all come full circle. And it always works out because it has to. I mean, that's just the way life goes. you got a lot of listeners from Minnesota. you got to tell us what your experience was like visiting Minnesota for the week for the Super Bowl. Saw your big punt at the U of M. Can you still hit a 5-0? Just, just tell us about that week and what that experience was like. Yeah, I think I think I could. I honestly think I might be able to go back because once you figure it out, right? So once I figured out my my drop, once I figured out my steps in my swing, I, I think I could go. I think I could probably hit five, six, five O's back to back to back to back, but don't ask me to walk the next day. Like, I don't think my legs will be ready to go for it. I absolutely love the hospitality of Minnesota. I think it's $144 million renovations they just got to the Gopher facility, and it's an elite operation out there. The the facility was beautiful. The indoor was beautiful. I was banging it off the roof. We only put video of one because they were not happy about it. They were like, "Uh, the roof? Actually, they said the roof is high enough for you to punt here i said i never heard that in my life first of all and they said no they said no 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 it is i said sounds good in the first couple while it was warming up i couldn't get there and then i started finding the rhythm again and it was like bang 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 and they told me to stop but it was an enjoyable situation i'm a gopher fan I think I'm going to row the boat all fall. I hope they win, and I hope P.J. Fleck does the magical things because they were so hospitable to us, both in the weight room, in the indoor facility, and all over that town. It was beautiful. All right, Pat, I got my last question. Uh, and I know I know you can handle pressure well. You've, you've shown that through your whole career. But, you know, obviously holding for Vinatieri and, and big-time games, um, what was the most pressure-filled hold in your career? We had a 51-yarder in the Super Bowl that Matt Stover kicked. It wasn't even for Vinatieri. I mean, I guess like the first time, because I never held in college. I never got a chance to hold, obviously, because I kicked in college. So when Bill Pullian asked me if I could hold, I said, absolutely. I lied right to his face. <laughs> lied right to his face. I can absolutely do that. So Vinatieri calls me the day after I'm drafted and asked me if I ever held because he knew that I was the kicker there. Mm-hmm. And I said, no. So he sent me to a holding clinic, basically, down in North Carolina with the guy that held for him in New England for a couple of years. I forget his name now. I shouldn't, but it's bad. Um, so holding... My whole entire first year, I I didn't really know how to punt, and I definitely didn't know how to hold. But I was way more nervous to hold than to punt because if Adam Benatari misses, that's 100% on you, dog. That's not on Adam (laughs) Benatari. Everybody knows that. So I think every single hold for Benatari was a nerve-wracking situation there the first couple of years. But Matt Stover, 51-yarder, in the Super Bowl, he missed it, but the hold was good, which is really good news. That was one that I was pretty nervous for because we knew for Matt Stover to make it from there late in the game, we can't be giving them the ball in the 41. Everything had to be perfect. And it turns out it didn't go in, but I felt good about it. And it's the Super Bowl. I mean, that's a big old deal. That's a big ordeal. All right, I got a last – my last question for you is is a listener-generated question. Uh, we have a kicker that Brandon and I have trained here in Minnesota, but he's from Finland, so he's back in Finland right now. He wants to know, what does it feel like to be a comedian right now and, and making people laugh? And then, how do, and then does it feel weird to not play NFL football anymore? I miss hitting balls on a practice field. 
Like, I miss going out and working. Like, I miss going out and figuring out how to hit a flip-flop 51 yards outside the left numbers with more than a 4-7 hang time, so it's a guaranteed fair catch every time. Mm-hmm. I miss learning how to hit a better onside kick. Like, I miss the work of hitting the ball. It was like my, that was almost like meditation to me whenever I'd go out on the field and just kick balls. Like it would just be me out there. Sometimes my dad would come, I would have music on and it was just me in a field and a ball figuring things out. I miss that very, very much. I do miss that. I did not miss playing in the NFL because there's so much more to it than just kicking on a Sunday. There's a lot that happens in the NFL. The season is long. The schedule is long. It's groundhogs day over and over again. You can find a lot of success in there if you can find the right routine. But I did not miss the day-to-day in the NFL, but I did miss the work of it. And with comedy, I just go up there and shoot the shit, dog, just have a good time and hope people enjoy it. And it's a lot of fun. It's real fulfillment, and uh, I'm just enjoying the hell out of it. But I do miss the work and the meditation safe space of being on a field learning how to kick. I got, we got to finish on industry advice. Pat, when, when you we see these punters – or kicker punters all the time that go out to the field and they just line up straight down the middle. They're taking two steps, three steps to the right, and then they're crossing over and, and kicking the ball back left, and they and they hit a turnover and they feel great about themselves. But we, we both know, college and NFL, that um, you know we got to directionally punt. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think the interesting thing will be I was a rollout punter, just like a lot of the college punters, where catch the ball, roll out, and then try to hit the ball, bomb the ball down the sideline, not a lot of hang time. And the returners in college are so terrible that you can get away with that. In the NFL, it's just not like that. Like, you can't do that. You can't just bomb footballs. I'm excited to watch this next generation of punters. College punters are, are, are not hitting the ball high right now. And it's, it's understandable because all you're looking for is numbers. So you're just trying to get the ball down the field. You're trying to flip field position. You got everybody leaving the line of scrimmage before the ball is kicked so the returners don't want to touch it. They don't want to do anything like that. But in the NFL, hang time and direction is king. Because you got wild animals back there about to catch that ball trying to feed their family. And every yard matters for them. So you got to be able to place it. You got to be able to come up with kicks that can take the returners out of the game completely. And I think as the kicking and the brand continues to to grow from the banana kick to the flip-flop kick, not just for a pooch, but for an open field kick. Like I think as the brand continues to evolve, I'm excited to see what this next generation does with it. But you got to be able to place the ball where you want it whenever you, if you want to make it big. And if you want to be confident going on the field, you got to be able to put the ball where you want it. That's great advice. I think a lot of kids that are getting into kicking and punting, I think they need to hear that. So, uh, Pat, we really appreciate you taking 50 minutes of your time to talk with us. Uh, thank you so much. Hey, I thank you guys so much. Keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait to meet you guys. Hopefully I can come kick some balls with you too sometime. I won't be able to walk the next day, but hopefully I'll be able to hit some balls with you. Hey, that would be fun. Thanks, Pat. Thanks. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the 4th Down Experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 4th Down Experience.